A few disclaimers as we start here. The first is I've got some kind of pollen allergy, and so I'm not being moved by my own sermon when I wipe away the tears. It just floods constantly. So if anybody knows a good ENT in this church or something, let me know. Secondly, uh, this sermon this morning is on our words. In God's providence, this By Faith magazine, which is our PCA magazine, we have hundreds of free copies, if they're not being blown away, over there that you can get. And they, uh, the, the theme of this edition of By Faith is the power of words. I would go ahead and guarantee that what you'll find in here will be way better than anything I'll say today. So if you want to follow up on that, you can. And the third disclaimer is outside seating is fluid. So if you want to move out of the sun or in the shade, or even take the choir seats, or wherever you want to go out here, you can. You can move. Nobody will be bothered by you relocating. Looks like I'll preach to the Sanders and the Eckleys. We're glad you're here for my sermon. Thank you all for sitting up front. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. We continue to move through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And in particular, we look at these two verses this morning that talk to us about the power of words, our words, both to give life, but also to destroy. I don't know if you've ever, I've been fascinated over the years by the Federal Witness Protection Programs. The abbreviated term is WITSEC. It stands for Witness Security. Oftentimes, you'll find somebody who has been maybe, has testified in a court case, and their life is in danger. Or you might find somebody who has spoken up and turned in someone for a crime, maybe a mafia family, and instantly, this person's life is in jeopardy. And so the FBI will come in and They will find these people in the middle of the night and they will rush them out and give them witness protection where they will take them to a place that nobody else knows about. And they will often give them their first names to use, but a whole new identity. They're taught when they get to this new location, they can never go back. You have to learn who your new identity is And start to live out the reality of this whole new world. Because you've been rescued from this place of darkness and brought to a place of safety. And now you live out your whole new identity. It's a picture of what Paul would be describing to the church at Ephesus. Chapters 1 through 3 have been, here is your new identity in Jesus Christ. Here is who God is, and what God has done for you in Christ. You are united to Him. You have a whole new identity. And now, chapters 4 through 6 are going to help us know how to live in light of that new identity. We know our position in Christ. Now we start to live out our new practices in Christ because we now belong to Jesus Christ. What we're going to see today, Paul is going to speak about our speech, that we put off unwholesome talk. That was part of our old identity, and now we put on wholesome, life-giving words as a part of our new identity. We cannot go back 
We must live in the new reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. Look with me at these two verses, chapter 4, 29 and 30. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come now in power and open our eyes and hearts to receive your word. In the beauty of this windy spot, would we not miss the message you have for us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read an interesting article not long ago that happened in 2018 in the EPA headquarters, the Environmental Protection Agency headquarters. The headline for the article said this, Water Fountains Spewing Decaying Liquid. Think about the irony of that. In the EPA, there were water fountains that were, that were backed up, and instead of life-giving, refreshing water coming out of these water fountains, the article goes on to say, coffee grounds, leftover soup, and other decaying liquid bubbled out of water fountains at the U.S. EPA headquarters in December. Reports of dark, smelly, black, tarry liquid pooling in the agency's hallways went viral online. You'll love this part. Critics of the new EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, seized on the imagery to slam, slam the Trump administration's rollback of environmental policies. Never miss an opportunity, right? But here were these refreshing water fountains that were supposed to be giving life-giving, refreshing water, and instead they were spewing out decaying, tarry, black liquid. An absolute mess. You see, that's what Paul would want us to understand that the Christian who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, as we saw in verse 30 here, for the Christian to spew unwholesome words is like decaying dark liquid that poisons. But the Christian instead is supposed to be giving life-giving, transforming beauty through their words that is refreshing to others. That's the power of words. I want to ask you this morning, what's coming out of your mouth that is a reflection of what's going on in your heart? Both what you write, what you text, what you post, what you say to others, and what you say about others. Is it life-giving beauty or is it toxic and corrosive? Matthew 12 says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say is a reflection of what's going on in your hearts. And our words have power, incredible power to bring life or to bring depth. That's why Paul speaks as he does here in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read to you, though, this little text from James chapter 1 and chapter 3, because I want you to hear about the power of the tongue. James 1.26, those who consider themselves 
religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. James 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue, a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Listen to the power of the tongue. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the, cor- the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You see, James understands, Paul understands the power of the tongue for life or for death. You grow up with the statement as a child, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But it's just not true. We've all been recipients of words which destroy. This is why this is so important. In Matthew 12, verse 36 says that one day we will give an account for every single word we have said. Think about how important this is. What I want you to see, brothers and sisters, is that because we're new creations in Jesus Christ, we must put off unwholesome talk and instead Put on wholesome speech. I tremble when I think about the damage I've done with my own mouth, with my own words, the things I've said about people and the things I've said to people. I tremble when I think about how corrosive my own mouth has been towards my family, towards my loved ones, which is a reflection of the darkness of my own heart. Aaron often tells me, John, it's not what you say so much as how you say it to the kids. I hate when she says that, but she's right. John, it's not so much the words you're saying, but it's the expression on your face. It's saying way more than your words are actually saying. We have power to bring life or to bring death through our words. I just want to ask three questions about this text in our time we have this morning. The first is this. What is unwholesome talk, or as the ESV says, corrupt talk. Secondly, what is wholesome talk? And thirdly, why must we put off unwholesome talk? First of all, what is wholesome talk? The Greek word that's used here is sapros. It's a word that's used to describe decaying fruit. In the New Testament. So when Jesus in Matthew 7 said, You will know them by their fruit, a bad tree, a sapros tree, produces 
bad fruit, sapros, decaying fruit, but a good tree produces good fruit. The word there, sapros, is being used of decaying, rotten fruit that brings death. So Paul here is saying we've got to get rid of the unwholesome speech, the speech that brings death, that corrodes and corrupts, the words that are toxic, that are putrefied, that are worthless, that are no longer fit for use. Words that spread rottenness, both in what we say to people and what we say about people. Our words cannot be corrosive and toxic, Paul says. They must be life-giving instead. Think about the culture we live in, brothers and sisters. Think about the media, think about the social media, think about our TikToks and our texting and all the stuff that's going on and how corrosive the speech of America is today. And Paul says, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to put that off. We've got to live distinctively Christian. We put off rotten, fruitful language. I hate when I go to Sprouts and I buy all those berries blueberries and and strawberries and blackberries and raspberries. And it seems like before, no matter how I examine the little containers, by the time I get home, half of it is rotten. So I give that to the kids because it's no longer of any value for me. But that's what Paul's saying. That, That rotten fruit is spreading into the rest of the fruit and it's destroying everything. That's the power of our tongues to destroy. Words that cut words that hurt, harsh words, critical words, sharpness of our tongue includes sarcasm. It includes gossip. Anything that would wound someone else or tear someone else down. Words that demean. Words that would make the Holy Spirit sad. These are sapros words. Rotten fruit. It's the locker room talk. certainly includes the vile and offensive language of the the guys in the locker room who say those things in there that they would not say in public. It's the words that often if I'm sitting with a group of non-Christians and hanging out and, and, and no one knows who I am and later on throughout the evening after we've had a great time together, they find out I'm a pastor And they look at their friend and they go, why didn't you tell us he was a pastor? And so they're recalling all the things they've said that they wouldn't have said. That's that rotten fruit that comes out of our mouths that Paul says is unwholesome, it's corrupt, and we must put it aside. It's words you regret saying in the heat of the moment. It's words when you're angry. It's words when you are fighting with your spouse And you say just what that one thing is you know that will wound because you're wounded. Paul says unwholesome talk has got to be put out of our mouths. That's words that kill, that cause harm. Words that come from pain and anger. I had a young man call me this week, not in this church, who uh, was upset at his girlfriend and he was drunk and he uh, called with me and told me he ruined the relationship because in his anger he lashed out at her in his text messages and he, uh, the girl wanted to have nothing to do with him anymore. I often get uh, confused sometimes at Paul's reasoning as he, as he works through his logic and explains himself in these types of letters. 
But certainly Paul, two weeks ago we talked about anger and what appropriate and righteous anger versus evil anger is. But certainly there's a connection, isn't there, between what we say and those fits of rage and anger and frustration that are destructive to those whom we love. We admire people who don't gossip, who never have an unkind word to say, who don't slander. And we despise people who are toxic with their mouths, and yet we are those people, aren't we? Who are corrupt in what we say so often. So what is unwholesome talk? It's sapros, it's rotten fruit that comes out of our mouth that's destructive and spreads rottenness. Secondly, what is wholesome talk? And this is where this text gets really interesting and, and, and exciting for me. Because the bar that God sets is always higher than we think it is for those who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Those who are new creations in Christ. Paul's going to go on to say here, it's not enough that we just quit saying the bad and hurtful and corrosive stuff. He ups the ante and raises the bar. He says, not only should your words not be the bad words, the corrosive, the destructive, the rotten, but they must actually be words that give life. Look with me back at the text, Ephesians chapter 4. Don't let any unwholesome or corrosive or corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Why? For building others up according to their needs. And do not grieve. Uh, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The bar's higher. Paul says here, not just to not give the corrosive talk, but to speak words that actually give life, that actually benefit others. Proverbs 18 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue has the ability to bring death and rottenness, but the tongue also has the ability to actually bring gospel life and blessing to someone. Ask yourself this question. It's not enough to just not say the bad stuff. Is what I say, is what I do with my mouth blessing others? Are they benefiting emotionally and spiritually from the words that are coming out of my mouth? It builds up. It gives life. But wholesome talk also meets the need in the moment. It, it fits the occasion. It's the rightly spoken word at the right moment that brings blessing and hope and encouragement to the one who needs it the most. That is what it means to speak wholesome speak. Words of life and encouragement and blessing and gospel hope. Words that strengthen. Words that Jesus himself would say, words that are spirit and life. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you healing people with your words? If so, that's what Paul is talking about with wholesome talk. Thirdly, last question. Why do we want to put off unwholesome talk? Well, it's what we've been saying all along the way. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Now that you have been called to Jesus Christ, I want you to walk worthy of what it means to be a child of God. 
and to use unwholesome talk is unworthy of the child of God because it's a bad reflection on the person of Jesus, the one whom we're united to. I told you a few weeks ago that when we were united to Jesus Christ, the spiritual DNA of Jesus is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is living the new resurrected life in us. And when we want to speak wholesome words and put off unwholesome words, it's because the DNA of Jesus himself is in us and we don't want to walk unworthy of our calling. We have a new self. And Jesus himself, the one who never, think about that, never said an unkind word. He is the one living in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to walk unworthy of our calling. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And we want to reflect Jesus by how we speak. I mentioned to you earlier, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, when we use our words to bless others, we're like a water fountain producing life-giving, pure water that blesses others. But when we speak with unwholesome, corrupt words to one another or about one another, we're like decaying black sludge coming out of the water fountains in the EPA. It just doesn't fit. We want to walk worthy of our calling. Secondly, we want to grace others. Did you notice what it says here? We want to build others up according to their needs that it may benefit, or as the ESV says, give grace to the one who listens. Now think about how profound this is. All of these uh, injunctions of Paul have been made in the context of the new Christian community. Jew and Gentile, no longer slave or free. We are one new humanity in Jesus, and we want to bless our new family. And so we put on wholesome talk so that we can grace others. Now, this is why this is so profound. You know, sacraments are means of grace. We came to the, to the uh, sacrament of baptism this morning. And we share the the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. And in those two sacraments of the church, we bless, experience the blessings of God's grace in new and fresh ways. We tangibly taste and touch and feel and experience for our weak consciences the grace of God upon us. So when we taste of the bread and the wine, we are experiencing tangibly the grace of God. Do you understand the, the implications of what this says? When you use your words in a wholesome way to bless others, you are imparting the grace of the Lord Jesus to that person. You're an agent, a vehicle, a stream of God's grace that's producing life and blessing and hope and gospel fruit in your brothers and sisters. That's what it means to use wholesome words to speak grace to bless one another. It's as if you're a sacrament being used by God himself. Our words have such unbelievable power for ill or for good. And then the last thing I want you to see here, we want to use wholesome words and put off unwholesome words because we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, one more time. Listen to it. 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is living and abiding in each person who has been born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself is present in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not a thing. It's not an idea. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when we allow unwholesome words to come out of our mouths, we're breaking the heart. We're, we're hurting the relationship that we have with the person of the Holy Spirit. Some of you understand what it's like to have been grieved by someone who has wounded you deeply. Paul says, when we misuse our words that could be a sacrament of blessing, and instead we use our words as sapros, decaying fruit, we're breaking the heart of the Holy Spirit, which is the person of Jesus. You are breaking the heart of your Savior when you use your mouth to destroy it's so profound, but it's the gospel and only the gospel and love of the Lord Jesus Christ that motivates and empowers us to want to use our mouths for blessing and not cursing. Let me close with one recommendation and two verses that I want you to meditate on this week. The first is a book I read probably 100 years ago now, it seems like, from Bruce Wilkinson called The Seven Laws of the Learner. In that book, Bruce Wilkinson has a chapter, I think it's chapter 2, which is called The Law of Expectation. And he uses this term, which has really transformed uh, me in a lot of ways, and I wish it would more. But he talks about the art of blossoming others. He says that when we see in somebody and take the time to share something beautiful or encouraging about a person how it reflects the character of Jesus and how it shows the sanctifying work of the Spirit in them, that we are causing the bud in them to blossom so that it bears beauty for King Jesus. Now, those are my words. I'm sure he said it way better than that, but that's the point. When you see in someone, it's not manipulation, but when you actually see in someone something that's beautiful, that's a spark of something great, and you ignite that spark, a forest fire, as James would say, a blessing comes out of it as you affirm in somebody what God by His Spirit could do and will do in that person, in that thing that you've seen. That's the power of encouragement. Parents, try this on your kids. You know, everybody tells everybody how bad they are and how wrong they are. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to use our mouths to destroy. But when's the last time you caught somebody doing something good? You spoke it and you mentioned it by name and talked about the gospel promise that's in that bud and that, could, that could blossom into something really beautiful. It's called the power of blossoming. It gives grace to those who hear. Two verses that I want you to think about this week in meditation and application of this. First, Psalm 141, David prays, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Lord, set a guard over my mouth, Psalm 141. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And in Psalm 19, David prays, Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and your redeemer. Isn't it amazing how God's word is so connected? David prays, may the meditations of my heart, which produce the words of my mouth, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Paul says, put off unwholesome, decaying, sapros, rotten fruit that comes out of our mouths and use your mouth, not for cursing, but for blessing, that it may impart grace to those who hear. Let's pray for that right now. Our gracious Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that we would be a church that is known for what we say about people and to people, what we post. No gossip, no slander, but words of refreshing blessing that are gospel fruit and bring glory to King Jesus. Oh, do that work in our hearts, we pray, that we would live distinctively Christian life-giving, refreshing lives in a decaying culture. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.